0: Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you
1: can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long-term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short-term and the long-term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a
0: better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. All right, Chris, here we are again. Another episode, uh, and I uh, suspect another outstanding conversation. Uh, we've got a great topic plan.: Let's keep moving the rock, baby.: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's springtime, summer's coming, and um, what I love about this time of year, and this might surprise you, because I'm not sure we've talked about this uh, what I love about this time of year is having the chance to see some of my old buddies, some of my cronies locally, uh, and just sit around talk shop while we smoke cigars and then, you know, sample some of our favorite wines and other types of, uh, spirits, uh, over a nice chill conversation at the end of a long day, uh, underneath, uh, you know, the, um, the darkening sky into the, into dusk. It's, it's a nice, uh, nice time of year to do that outside. Uh, yeah, and yeah it's just, and so it's really cool, man. We were having one of these conversations and, uh, one of the guys that I was with mentioned uh, a perspective that he had that when a salesperson, yes, we do talk shop, it's called sales and cigars. So yeah, we talk shop. Um, When a salesperson gets promoted from an individual contributor to a manager, the observation was that it really isn't a promotion. Mm. It's a career change. And it And as that statement kind of settled and we kind of all rested with that, we had a great conversation about what that meant. And I thought, given the fact that we've spent so much time talking about building dream teams and and the importance of leadership and team development, I thought we might just bring the conversation in to a more specific and focused exploration of what it means for that uh, individual contributor who's good enough to be singled out and then promoted into a management role.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's fun to dive into this because the relevance for so many organizations, just zooming out in the widest angle lens possible. You and I see this in the companies that we help. I know I've seen this in teams that I've built in the past. Some of the best promotions would have been things that you would have never guessed because they didn't shine in the role they were in. Some of the worst promotions, they were shining in the role they were in and we promote them and then they don't shine anymore. This phenomenon is talked about a lot in in leadership literature, of course, and in business building, but it's just this idea that just because someone can perform doesn't mean they should be promoted. And I'm sure, and you would have to be the expert on this because, and I look forward to learning from you in this, I'm sure, the sales world is ripe for that kind of mistake because it's like hey look at how they're killing it how could we not put them in charge of more people um so where right now just at the larger conversation is that still a problem that repeats itself are people becoming more aware of that in the industry what's it look like
0: yeah uh, you know what i would like to say people are becoming more aware of it in the industry um it's not the case, mm. unfortunately. In the vast majority of situations, in the vast majority of organizations, and I'm talking about from the hundred billion dollar organizations on down, uh, sales development and the development of sales managers and sales leaders uh, is almost non-existent. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. So you have you have these old line businesses that have been around for a hundred years um, in industries that have been Around for that long, and you know they don't evolve much or evolve quickly over time, there's a sense of comfort in the fact that things don't change. And um, there's a, an acceptance of status quo. And that acceptance of status quo often doesn't promote a sense of self-awareness. Like, why do we do these things? Well, because mm-hmm. we always have. Should we be thinking differently? Well, why? Why should we? Let's just keep doing the same, the same thing over and over again. And what we find is that in those organizations, when we see a top performer, a top sales performer doing something great, because those old line businesses, um, have, they do things the way they've always done, they're not really investing in systems sales operating models that can elevate the sales team. They're resting on their laurels. They're doing the same thing they've always done. And what's really interesting is that they fall victim to external e- economy. They fall victim to changes in their in their industry, uh, competitors coming and going, and they accept those changes as just the nature of doing business in their world. And they don't really look in the mirror and think, well, what, what can we do to avoid that? What can we do? To, um, to counteract those, those external effects on our business. And so they yeah. accept those ebbs and flows in their business without thinking about what they can take control of. Therefore, they're not really thinking about development as a path to innovation and opportunity to, to do things differently. And so what you end up having is uh, when top performers are identified, they're pulled out of the rank and filed and made managers because the organization really doesn't understand what makes that team tick. That team may not be running uh, against a common playbook that is shared across all of the players. And so when you find a top performer that can be elevated, the theory is, OK, great, that's going to make it easier on the VP, the person that that um identified that person to be promoted, it'll make it easier on me. Now I don't have to worry about the systems. I can just have a top performer who can who can go do their thing. Um, And it also and they don't get the training They need to be that manager. They're just expected to do what they've always done. Show these people how to do it. And um, and so it's it's done out of comfort. It's done out of a lack of awareness. It's done out of a belief that status quo can't really be changed. That fixed mindset. And what ends up happening is those top performers have to make a decision. Do I want to be in an environment where I'm not going to grow anymore or I'm not going to be able to learn from the people around me? I'm now going to be that that um, that head honcho, that person that brings all the innovation Uh, and since innovation isn't valued, I'm probably just going to stop learning. And so they trade their own personal development for the security of a 20 or 30 year career and a gold watch at the end of the rainbow. And in the meantime, everyone's going to do everything the way they've always done. Why? Because I said so. And why? Because that's the way it's done. If you don't like it, we'll find somebody else. Hmm.
1: That's awesome. And I think today what we can do is go on this journey and make a promise to those listening. You're going to get some awareness on what to look for. That's the starting point. What to watch out for. Who to understand this person to be. Not only that, but in a conversation around how we can help them see that specific measure, data ties, because I know I've seen this, I really want to hear what you think about this. In my work with sales leaders, coaching them, VP of sales, whatever, high you know up in the organization, developing and driving sales process, performance, whatever, all that stuff, typically the person that thrives in that role tends to over-index on their gut or intuition. Right. Right. And so what that means is there's probably somebody on their team who's under-indexing on their gut or intuition. They see something developing in a bad promotion, but they're not speaking up about it. And, and the, the gut of that leader who's over-indexing, who's been over-promoted or making a decision about who to promote, they, they feel like, well, it's going to work out because you know, I apply energy and effort to things and I make it work out and I'm usually right when I make these decisions around hiring and they're able to fall into the traps then of all their bias. Um, so, so if you've seen that pattern to be true, what's the starting point? What's, what's the beginning for them to develop some awareness to not fall into that trap as far as what to look for,
0: who to promote? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and for me, everything is driven by goal. What is your goal? Right. I had uh, coffee this morning with a leader who um, I've worked with over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, his goal is just to be the best salesperson he can possibly be. And so everywhere he goes, every day, he's thinking about how can I get better? And one of the things he recognizes is that, you know, there he recognizes all the hidden barriers and all the challenges in his organization that are preventing him from being the best he can be. And most of them have to do with how he interacts with the rest of his team, right? This concept of, are we working together as a team or are we all kind of competing against each other for recognition Hmm. and one-upmanship and so forth? And so, you know, the, his goal is how do I get better? And because of his openness and, um, sense of confidence, sense of abundance, he's happy to help anybody get better as long as it can help him get better, right? So it's this, it's this all for one and one for all mentality, which is not being shared by his team currently. But it all comes down to the overall objective, the overall goal. If the overall goal is simply like the rest of his team to just monetize their day and close as many transactions as possible. And they're just thinking about that immediate recognition and they're not They're not paying attention to the long-term benefit of, for example, imagine 15 people on a team all working together to make the same system amazing. Mm. So imagine if I went to work every day or my my client went to work every day knowing that he had 14 people behind him, making the singular system that they're all unified around executing better. That would be, that would, the, the leverage there would be tremendous. That team would continue to advance week over week, month over month, quarter over quarter. And you know what? That would ultimately make the job of the manager that much easier. But because so many of us are focused, especially as individual contributors, on what we can do, and because um, it's the culture that we're, that we're living and working within that dictates our level of awareness, self-awareness about who we are in, that, in this machine and what is possible for us, most of us, don't think of it. I spent the first 15 years of my career not thinking about it, You know, not trying to, to, not trying to understand that higher level of awareness. Yeah. So if I were to draw out some questions
1: from what you said that people could take away and apply to their situation, and this is just beginning stage, we're going to get more advanced. It's as simple as, and, and correct this if it's wrong, and if it's on point, let's add some questions to it. You know, you're at coffee with this person who could be promoted, who you're considering. And ideally, you're doing this kind of thing before any promotion has to occur. So you get to know your team. But you are asking questions like, do they appreciate having a sales process? Very beginner, I know. But from what I've learned from you, how many don't even have that? They don't have a sales methodology. Not only does the team not have a shared playbook that's getting better and better they don't even appreciate that as a value. So finding out if they appreciate that, finding out if, you know, asking them, Hey, what are the most frustrating parts for you about, you know, leading, being in the workplace, performing home life? Because my guess would be this, at least I've experienced this with asking other managers, other people that could be potential managers, these kind of questions you're going to figure out, like, If they don't enjoy coming up with solutions, if they don't enjoy getting people involved on the same goal, if they're irritated around those kind of things, you know, and and you can ask, like, even about home experiences to surface some of this insight, they're not going to thrive in the role. If they don't enjoy getting people aligned, getting the resources focused, right? So let's imagine we're at coffee and we're giving we're We're asking these questions to kind of figure out if people are ready to take this step and be promoted to go yeah. from being this performer to this leader. What would be some other questions we could give people as a takeaway? What would you yeah. ask if you were at coffee with that person?
0: Yeah, well, I think so let me let me just couch this by saying, I think your question's great. are is this top performer, this individual contributor ready to be promoted or ready for the career change uh, or aren't they? Mm-hmm. And I think you know only an only an enlightened leader. Would be asking that question. Um, mm. So, are they ready? Is one question, but then, are they um, are they um, prepared to learn how to do it? Right. So, so these questions are coming from somebody who understands that there's a difference between a promotion and a career shift. So mm. let me. So let me. I'll give you some. I'll give you some questions that a, that I would ask if I was looking at whether or not somebody could be promoted. So when you, when um, I think the first thing I would look at is I, if they're going to be promoted within their team and run their team, I would, the first thing I'd ask them is if you could, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and, and make any improvements to how this team operates, what would it be? Now, what I would expect to hear from this individual are all of those observations of the inefficiencies and ineffective behaviors of the team based on how it's currently operating. Um, and now that what, what that would begin to tell me as a, as a VP or as a leader is that this person has a worldview that's bigger than just themselves, mm-hmm. right? In other words, they've been paying attention to You know, this—they understand it at a at a visceral level that sales is a team sport, and they've been paying attention to how this team operates. And they're they're more they're probably very naturally uh, tuned into recognizing areas of inefficiency and ineffectiveness. Now, I may have also heard them bringing me ideas, sharing podcasts with me, sharing blogs and articles with me to kind of help me see the same things they're seeing, but because of their lack of position and power and other things, they weren't able to affect those changes. So this will just start helping me get a sense of their worldview. Mm -hmm. Are they prepared with a worldview that that can include the other team members and even more importantly, the company as a whole, or are they still very myopically focused on their own world, their own benefits and the transactions that they are charged with creating on a regular basis?
1: I love it. I love it. the The question that comes to mind out of what you just shared that I want to ask you about your experience, Um, you know, if if you're gonna make if you're gonna promote somebody, and I appreciate what you said there about like if they're even gonna be asking these questions, there's already an enlightenment. (laughs) So yeah, we can only get the cookies so low on the shelf. There has to be at least some appreciation for this, but hopefully they're listening to this episode and at least the light bulb's going off. And if they don't appreciate it, they're starting to, and if they do, they're getting some, some good takeaways. Um, I know we, we want to believe in people and we want to believe in their potential. If you were doing that, if you're in the place that you've got to promote somebody to lead the team and, and you're trying to be a world-class chef to work with what you have in the kitchen. And there's, let's say, for whatever reason, not a way for you to bring in someone from the outside. You've mm-hmm. got to work with what you have. You're looking at this team. Um, if you've had somebody who you thought could do it, but there are a couple of red flags, whatever those are, right? Do you have any kind of framework or methodology or approach To protect you from, you know, which I know this is a gift for you to filter out the BS, but to protect you from where you would BS yourself on what their real potential is.
0: Right. Well, you know, this goes back to, Chris, a lot of the things that we've talked about already. When we talk about sales process, we talk about you know having that sales growth engine or that sales operating model in place so that you know what is required to be successful in your organization. And therefore, if you know it's required to be successful, you now have a basis to, de- to develop criteria for hiring and training salespeople that you'll bring into that sales operating model. If I don't know what makes my team successful or what, what system or practice will get us over the next wall, then how do I possibly build the criteria to hire the next best top performer for my team, right? It's this, the same thing goes for a salesperson qualifying a new opportunity. If I don't know what qualities of a lead optimize my odds of closing them, then how can I possibly qualify a lead as, a, as an opportunity and then know with a level of confidence that they're going to close, that one in five, let's say, are going to close from the point of qualification, right? We know that an optimized sales team based on our own data gathering over years of following our own clients we know that if you can qualify an opportunity into a pipeline and you know that we know that 21 or 21 of those deals close and you've got a pretty well optimized qualification process that's 21 percent of just qualified opportunities not proposed opportunities
1: mm-hmm.
0: so if you if you don't know what qualifies as a great opportunity then how do you qualify an opportunity if you don't know what qualifies as a great rep in your world How do you select them? Same thing with managers. If you don't have a management operating model or a management model for your organization, that truly does give you all the things that you want, right? A world-class recruiting process, uh, a world-class training and development process, a world-class coaching process, um, a a way to hold people accountable, accountable, so an accountability framework that that manager can then operate. Uh, Great sales meetings that aren't a waste of time, but that focus on the highest priority measures and metrics. KPIs, a way to track leading indicators versus lagging indicators of success. You know, if you don't have your management system dialed in, then you won't know the criteria that will actually produce the best managers for your organization. And you won't know the questions to ask, Chris, to your point. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges is that most um, leaders who decide to promote a manager uh, or an individual contributor into a management role, they're using the phrase you and I've talked about before. They're hiring to fix Mm -hmm. versus hiring to fit. They're hoping that this top performer has enough juice, has enough magic that they can bring that to the role. And by some virtue of something that can't be measured, something you know from something magical, as I've said, uh, happens and things work out. Um, and that's just that's the way unfortunately, you know, based on the numbers, at least seventy six percent of sales organizations are run that way. We know that only about fifteen percent of sales managers are hireable as managers <laughs> as they stand. so let's say eighty five percent of sales forces are really underperforming based on the managers that they currently have. And so we know it's a a significant challenge. Uh, So the best thing, the best thing to recommend to a VP who's looking to elevate an individual contributor to a manager role is to really decide ahead of time, what are the criteria for success as a manager? And by the way, are there things that you're missing? Uh, So typically the best thing to do is to normalize on that management process first Identify that criteria and then evaluate your team based on that criteria. And as you and I know, um, you know entering into your first leadership position is a daunting task. And uh, I think the observation that uh, I heard over cigars that night is great. I mean this really isn't a promotion. This is a career change. And the best thing that a leader can do, is make sure that whoever they decide to promote understands that it cannot be business as usual. And you know what we should we should do, Chris, we really should talk about what are the risks of allowing an individual contributor to manage their team as if they never change roles, as if they were just another individual contributor? What ends up happening and what ends up, what is that end up costing the organization?
1: I, I, let's let's hit that. I want to hear what those risks are. I've got a question I want to ask after that. Before we get into the risks, I think it's just acknowledging a pattern that I've seen where oftentimes your approach that you just lined out here about figuring out the criteria, it's so proactive, oftentimes the decision is just so reactive, right the the growth and the you know, the pressure, whatever that they feel they're looking to just offload some of the responsibility. And it could be altruistic. I want my team to be better taken care of. It could be completely selfish. Usually it's a combination of both. I just don't want all this responsibility. I need to streamline what's coming at me. Um, So this shifts us from reactive to, to proactive. But yeah, what are these risks if we don't get proactive? If we don't, hit that what you said fifteen percent that's crazy so eighty five percent uh of teams are underperforming because they're not being led by a, a leader who's effective as a sales
0: manager right. what do we lose if we live in that reality well and this is gonna this is going to kind of open us up to a conversation that you pioneered and uh i really love the synergy where this is headed so <laughs> uh it's just interesting how the how the car how the deck gets stacked here as we continue talking about this uh you know the most uh, let's talk about the kind of like the most obvious stuff right so when you have an individual contributor who's used to being very successful in a sales role and you now give them what they think they've always wanted a promotion right to being manager well why why not right it's the next best thing What's interesting about becoming a manager is that you oftentimes as a manager make less than your top performer. So that's, and that's something that most individual contributors don't recognize when they take that role. So, you know, if you, if you judge your own personal success based on what you earn. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> you well, know, in sales we're taught to, right? But what yeah. we find is that, you know, through the research, uh, the vast majority of salespeople today do not are not motivated by money they do not recognize dollars as the primary reason for doing what they do so just 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 something to think about right are you prepared to make less money Mm -hmm. and are you prepared to make less money while doing something you have not been trained to do for the last 15 20 30 years of your career for however long you were that individual contributor you're gonna have to learn a whole new skill set so what happens when you don't learn that new skill set well you tend to run your team the way you run yourself because what else do you know? You know what motivates you. You know what works for you in terms of driving sales. Um, and what's interesting is if you're unlucky and what works for you doesn't work for the rest of the team, then you're not going to be without training an effective coach or an effective mentor, or an effective advisor or consultant, however you perceive yourself. And so what ends up happening? right? resistance begins to uh, occur when you try to help people on the team improve because all you really know how to do is do what you've always done so their, their resistance occurs when you try to develop folks and so what ends up happening is that we see uh, these folks choose one or maybe two of you know two undesirable paths right they become they focus on proving Okay. Your, your, one of your words, right? They focus on proving. I'm going to show these guys how it's done. And they take on, or they maintain some level of sales responsibility. And they, they go back to doing what they've always done well, which is sell. And they may actually do that in the context of their team members' meetings. They may join those meetings. They may try to take those meetings over. They may want to be involved because that's where as a field commander they feel most comfortable and so they kind of they go back to this they never leave the sales role they just do it in different contexts and they end up trying too hard or proving their ability to make things happen and then when they're trying to do something on the management side that they're not really skilled at what do they do they hide like accountability well i can't really go out on calls with somebody who doesn't like me i want to make sure they like me as a manager. So that means I'm not going to hold them accountable as much as I might. And so I give up on the accountability metrics and I give up on being that strong manager. And I trade away, trade that away for the opportunity to have a great relationship. So I can go on sales calls and feel like I'm in my zone. That's just Hmm. one example.
1: Hmm. I mean, for me, awesome articulation, by the way, of these extremes that we see, um, for me, when you think about this risk, you've, you've got a whole lot of a ball of yarn here of so many things that really one string you can pull at that, that unravels this picture of risk and states it so clearly. You know, You're leaving money on the table. You're leaving momentum on the table. You're leaving growth, maybe is the better word, on the table. And what's it mean to be a part of something growing? Right. What we can do for families, how we can take care of people, how we can invest in, uh, you know, upgrading our approach. And it is one thing to have to cut a budget because the numbers are going down. It's another thing to not have enough resources for the bigness of your vision. And people that have lived in both of those realities, as I know you and I will know, um, give me the growth problems all day long. (laughs) Give me the growth challenges all day long, because the risk here is that you're, you're going to be on a sinking ship, right? You're underperforming. Um, So somebody is captured by this message. They hear it and they go, I want to hire to fit. I don't want to hire to fix. They reach out and say, all right, I listened at the end of the podcast, your contact info, I'm connecting you. What's the first thing they can expect if they're to send you an email and say, I need to get a sales manager and I want to hire a fit?
0: Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a series of questions that we typically ask, and I'm happy to send them off to anybody who wants to see them. But uh, you know, what you've got to do is you've got to look at your, as that executive, you have to look at your current sales operation and understand <clears throat> what you do and don't know about that, that organization, where where are, you know, to some degree, this is about knowing what you don't know. How do you do that? Well, you have to bring in outside expertise, read something, listen to a blog, you know, hire a coach, hire a consultant for a short period of time, just to give you that, that perspective, right. Um, so that you can know what you don't know. Uh, we call them blind spots. Now this, what's interesting about this, it doesn't mean that you suck right it doesn't mean that you are a flawed individual or that you have a flawed organization what it means is that what got you to where you are can't get you where you want to go Mm. that's all And, and all it means is that there's a continuation of the learning curve right we if you believe in this idea of there's a that mastery is a journey then we're always on that journey and we're always looking for more information we're always learning What's interesting, though, is as we as we reach higher and higher levels of performance, it's easier for us just to chill out and enjoy that status for a while. Right. Because there are fewer people challenging us, there are fewer challenges that we face. So the, the thing that drives um, a players to become elite players uh, are those challenges that either come up because that, that they weren't anticipating or they put themselves in positions that challenge them and continue to move them um, to higher levels of advancement in terms of their capability. So the fact that we have things to learn doesn't mean that we are a failure. It just means that we have things to learn. Mm. And if you look at it the way that you and I do, that's, that, we can look at that with an abundant mentality. Unfortunately, there are folks that look at that with a scarcity mentality and think, oh, shit, w- what horrible thing does it say about me, right? Dude yes
1: i think you and i live in this place of in a good way what's where you should live uh systemic change matters more than your circumstances or environments uh not environments culture but the the larger environments of market Uh, i saw something uh, online this week that was like are you a are you a bull or a bear you know be neither be a builder and that I know that's that's our perseverance, our passion, our tenacity. It doesn't matter what's happening in the market. We're going to keep advancing the mission. We're going to keep building. And I know that's the place to live. But maybe there's just a little bit of some sugar we can give people uh, in the closing before we go with some dessert. What's some stuff right now related to what you just said about the challenges that call out our best self, our best leadership? What what do you see right now, especially in sales leadership and 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 this idea of promoting is there any kind of prevailing winds blowing around that are circumstantial challenges that don't need to give us a victim mindset but we just need to know that they're there and pay attention to them
0: well you know the, let's put this the, the same challenges in sales management always uh, they never change right so when you're a top performer and you're promoted to a leadership role or a management role um how much time have you spent recruiting and how, and how buttoned up is your recruiting process? Ch- chances are you suck at recruiting. Chances are you're going to approach it in a very emotional way. And if there is no tried and true remote, you know, recruiting program that can produce top candidates 80 or 90% of the time, then you're being hired to fix that, that program. What kind of accountability frameworks are in place that are universally applied across the team? Um, is there a coaching paradigm or a coaching process in place that you can then fit into? or is there nothing or is, does a culture kind of not really promote coaching um, in a in a formal sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of systems are in place to help track data, to help um, capture that data and provide reports, not just reports that are easy to ignore, but reports that actually help you understand the leading indicators? That you as a that your sales team can optimize to move them to higher levels of performance, you know if if these basics aren't in place, then guess what you're being hired to fix that stuff. and if your organization doesn't have the culture that says we're going to teach you because we value personal and professional development, then you're going to have to find it on your own. And I can tell you right now, I have as many leaders that I'm coaching. Uh, who are who have been brought to me by their employers, as I have, who come to me on their own. It's worth the investment that they make it hundred percent themselves just to get better in that role. As an example for today, recruiting is a huge, huge challenge. Uh, just in the last six months, we've seen um, salaries right for now. This is starting salaries, not total comp. So we've seen comp plans. Um, become unleveraged, meaning those base the bases that that salespeople are earning are going higher and higher, and they're becoming a higher percentage of the overall or on-target earnings of their role. What does this mean? It means that um, for the uninitiated, for the traditional and less per- and underperforming sales teams, it's way more expensive for them to hire salespeople. What it also means is it's much more expensive when they make mistakes. And we know that about 76% of salespeople are unhirable, meaning you've got serious amount of development work in those folks, and the chances of them actually taking that development are gonna be relatively low. We know only about 24% of available salespeople are in the B, A, or elite categories. The B salespeople are are folks, we categorize those folks as as, uh, folks who maybe are underperforming, but have a high desire to learn, right? So with the odds stacked against you, three to one, without a uh, strong recruiting process that can deliver you a high percentage of high top performers who are going to succeed in your environment, the odds of making a mistake are far greater in an environment that we're dealing with today where we have fewer people, higher demand, uh, salaries are going up, and the uninitiated hiring managers are just paying those salaries. Man. So
1: I asked,
0: go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I I was going to say, brother, you know, the, the, the big question here is imagine if you had a sales force that, that the top performers in your industry wanted to work for, imagine if you had a sales force that the top performers in your industry wanted to work for, what, how would that change the dynamic? Even in today's (laughs) environment, Mm -hmm. they would take a smaller base because they knew they know if they come to work with you, they're going to have the development and the opportunity to earn the on-target earnings they're used to earning. You're not going to. You're going to have a lower cost of recruiting. You're going to have a lower attrition rate, lower turnover rate. The cost of making a mistake is going to be far lower. You're going to be. You know, if you're already one of the best in the industry, you're going to become even that much more competitive as your competition struggles under the weight of the current uh, hiring environment. Beautiful. I,
1: I love it because I asked for candy, and you're like, "No, I'm going to give you a steak." Then I'm going to give you a little bit of candy and talk about prevailing wins with recruiting. But then I'm going to give you a steak again and take you back to vision and say, "Imagine building somewhere that people want to be." Like that's and and for me, playing
0: to win, right? Not playing to lose. Exactly. Exactly. So so this is the idea, man. If we go back to the something we talked about earlier in the conversation, I always. Start with goal. What is the goal when you promote um, an individual into a management role? What if the leadership's goal was to create a sales organization that all the best salespeople in the industry wanted to work for? Hmm. How would you go about solving that problem? Right? And, and imagine you're starting from scratch. Wouldn't you go find the best sales management program and platform you could possibly find? the one that was best suited for your industry, one that was easy and intuitive to, cult, to customize to your industry and to your situation and to your growth goals, wouldn't you seek to implement that and make sure that, the, that it was plugged in, that your CRM was ready to rock and roll and that you could test it and validate its effectiveness on the team as it stands today? And then wouldn't you identify somebody then on your team or from outside your team who is the best fit for that system. What's beautiful about this approach is that you will never ever have a top performing manager hold your company hostage again. What do I mean? Well, if you've got the system in place and you hire to fit, then all of a sudden that that hiring manager now is interchangeable. Does that give you a sense of power and comfort and confidence? Yes, does it make you uh, care less whether someone stays or goes? Of course not, you're gonna want people to stay with your organization, Uh, that's how you build an organization that people want to work for. But what's nice is you'll never be held hostage by the black box developed by the manager that you put into the role earlier, right? If you ask the manager to build their own system, then every time you change managers, you'll get a brand new system. You'll be rolling the dice again on whether or not you can maintain the growth trajectory that you want your new manager to, to maintain for you. It's really interesting when we see in the startup space coming out of uh, Silicon Valley and the East Coast, we see that VPs of sales, their their, uh, lifespan and generally VPs are directly managing uh, salespeople in a startup environment or a uh, scale-up environment. Their life expectancy in an organization is less than 18 months. Why is that? Because in those cases, every B- VP that's brought in is asked to create their own system. And, the, and what's actually happening is those, those leaders are auditioning heads of sales and auditioning systems. And when they decide they don't like them, they, they decide to change. Imagine the cost of restarting over and over and over again as you audition individuals and systems at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why not do the heavy lifting and build the system, build that sales operating model and then hired a fit.
1: Mm, I love it. I, I imagine a hardcore listener who at that point has to say, okay, this, this is what I want to do. And they're starting to write out everything that you just said there. Like this, he just gave you the game plan. You're writing it out, tag the show on social media with your written out or typed up list, because that's going to help others run away with a real clear playbook right the principles for what it takes um so i don't know what i would call that finishing the meal off with because it was like another course (laughs) but this has been awesome i think that could be another great episode to walk through the parts and pieces of that even more thorough
0: well i'll tell you what if if uh listeners want to hear it um they should hit us up we'll make it a priority for sure beautiful awesome thanks chris thanks buddy Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com.
1: And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.